As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Wine Soundtrack South Africa. Listen to the passion with which producers narrate their winery and their world in 30 answers. Discover their stories, personalities, and passions. Hello, friends and listeners of Wine Soundtrack. This is Alison Levine, and today I'm with Adi Badenhorst from AA Badenhorst in South Africa. And I hope I pronounced that properly, Adi. Yeah, no, that wasn't bad. It's still A.A. Badenhorst. So it's a, it's a, a German surname. Ah, and tell, tell us, where are you located in South Africa? And tell us a little bit about your winery. Um, I'm located in the Swartland, um, which is, you know, if you look at Cape Town as a reference point, because Cape Town is obviously quite well known, we're 70 kilometers northwest of Cape Town. It's on the west coast. Okay. And the appellation is called the Swartland, and it's a vast appellation. And so are you near the sea or more in high no, altitude? We, yeah, we're about 25 miles from the sea. And we're a little bit of altitude, like a thousand feet above uh, sea level. Mm -hmm. That's where our farm is situated. And how many acres do you have? Or hectares? Um, so hectares, we've got uh, 100 hectares of land. And on that, we've got 45 hectares of very old vineyards planted from 1951 up until 1978. A few vineyards were planted in the early 2000s. And we've got some young vineyards planted now that are nine hectares in extent that are two, three years old. And what are the various varieties that you have planted? Or what are the wines you're making, I should say, from these vines? I don't know, man. We started out just to make two wines, a white and a red. And then even when we started doing that, I thought, fuck, we must just make one, you know, <laughs> just put them all together. Um, so we, we started out making a, an Appalachian white and red just to give it a really, really good. I, I don't know. It's so difficult. You know, you make wine and winemakers talk a lot of bullshit about terroir and how they farm and all that kind of stuff. And, but at the end of the day, they're all human beings and they make heavy decisions that affect the, the wines, you know, um, when to pick, when to plant how to ferment, how to extract, age on lees, all those kind of things. So we just we, we just wanted to make a wine, a white and a red, that I suppose in a way it took away a lot of those decisions. So we do a white blend of 11 or 12 different grapes. We pick them over two days, ferment them together, and that's the wine. Red's the same thing. Five different varietals from seven vineyards, picked together on the same day, fermented together, and that's the So there's one decision to pick, which is the major decision. And the next decision is when to bottle. And, and that I think is probably, there's many ways, I suppose you could argue how to make a wine, uh, authentic wine. But for us, that is the, the most authentic representation of that, of, of this uh, area. And can you run through what the grapes are that are planted? 
just quickly or yeah, no. a sense of no I can so um, just to give you a sense of the place it's uh, it's quite dry where we've where we are I mean we've had really uh, low years of moisture you know we, we're talking 250 mils of rain for the last couple of years down from our average of long-term average of 480. So it's been extremely dry. The landscape um, it looks, for those listeners that are maybe more familiar with, uh, looks more like a lot like the Roussillon, where we are. Granite outcrops. Um, they've got garrigue. We've got a, a vegetation they call feinbos, which is incredible. So on our mountain, the Paderberg, there's 1,288 different species just on the small mountain. Incredibly diverse. So it's these granite outcrops. Um, the hills are up to eight to 900 meters high, and we are 300 meters. So there's a, the, the skies are open. Everything is planted on goblet, planted on contour. We've got some extreme vineyards quite high up. We've got wind vineyards down in the bottom with the deep, deep granitic sands. Um, and we're planting, obviously, Shannon Blanc. It's a grape that's been planted in the Paderberg since the early 1700s. Um, but what also does really well in the Swartland is Grenache Blanc. Grenache Gris, Marsan, Roussan to a lesser extent, but we still use a little bit. Um, we've got Semillon Blanc, Semillon Gris. Videlo is an amazing grape. We've got uh, quite a lot of Colombar as well. In the old days, Colombar was used for distillation, but it's, it, it adds really a nice acidity to the wine. Um, Videlo as well, we know that uh, it's got an amazing acidity, beautiful aromatics. And the other grapes are, we've got a little bit of Chardonnay that we've planted um, that, was, that was in the farm. What else is there? I think that's about that's that's maybe ten or twelve different mm-hmm. grapes. I'm not sure, and 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 of course Viognier is <laughs> a bit of Viognier as well. Um, and on the red side, what does really well on on our property is Cinso, Grenache, uh, Tinta Barocca, uh, Shiraz as well. So we like the sort of Portuguese, Southern Rhone kind of varieties do really well where we are. And with the two wines that you're making, what's your total case production? It's probably twelve thousand bottles of each. But then we make some single vineyard wines as well. So I've been on the property for 10 years. So my previous job, I got fired. You know, I was a, <laughs> I was a winemaker at like a really fancy place and I got fired. I was being a bit of a dick. I made like a really bad rosé or like an average rosé and I got fired. And um, so I was living with my son, 12 months old, and my wife. My wife was very angry with me at that stage. And, but we lived uh, uh, with a friend of ours, with friends of ours in the garage for a while while we sort of made a few deals. And my cousin and I bought this farm together, and uh, that's how we started. And now, 10 years later, after working with these vineyards for 10 years, now we've identified and we know these amazing Shannon vineyards that have just got the unique expression of where they're grown. There are subtle differences in the beginning, but as the wines age, those differences become more amplified, um, which is really interesting. We've got, um, so we've got five different Shannon Blancs, single vineyard Shannon Blancs. We do a Palomino. Single vineyard Palomino, only six. But so they're small productions, 1,000 bottles, some of 600 bottles. We do a Grenache and a Sinso on their own as well. Two Sinsos, in fact. Very, very small things just to <laughs> capture a, a vineyard in a way. And are the wines available throughout South Africa, outside of South Africa? Yes, yeah, the wines are available all through South Africa, of course. Uh, it's important for us to strong in South Africa and sell a lot of wine in South Africa because we are South African and <laughs> you know we don't have to fly all over the world to sell it and we sell a lot of wine in, uh, in America and the United States and obviously in Canada as well particularly um, Quebec um, big market for our wines like funnily enough is a country called Norway 
Sweden, Denmark, those countries, obviously Germany, England, of course. That's where all the wines of the world end up in England. Um, a little bit in Germany, um, Australia as well, and New Zealand. You're everywhere. Yeah, so we, uh, well, well, we have to be. You know, yes. we we've got wine to sell. You know, so it's important to put wine in all of these countries. So, what is your first memory relevant to wine? My first, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of wine memories. A lot of them. First one was probably a bottle of a bottle of Bordeaux. My father had a really nice collection of wine. Uh, my grandfather worked on a farm called Hurut Constantia, which is the original wine farm in South Africa. He worked there for almost 50 years. My father was born on the farm, so I grew up there amongst the vineyards and etc. etc. But my father had quite a nice wine collection, and um, it was uh, underneath an old house, uh, one of it, like a Cape Dutch, underneath the house. It was where it used to be the slave quarters, and he had this amazing winery, a, a wine cellar. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the 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 wine was a was a Petrus. It was a '78. This is your first wine memory. Yeah, Petrus yeah. and a '78, and and I never begin. It was a Petrus '78 and a Calon Segur '78. That was in 1982 that they that they drank these wines. I was I was 10 years old. That's my first like <laughs> wines that I remember the name and the label. You know, so whenever I see, obviously, <laughs> Petrus one doesn't really like buy it anymore to just to drink it every night it's ridiculously expensive um and uh, but Calon Segur one one can still buy every now and then and I just love that the heart and the label and the story behind it and Santa Steph I mean it's always been for me uh, wines that are quite different to the rest of Bordeaux you know a little bit rustic and so that's what I like I've always liked those as those wines so that's my first memory and of all the wines you've had to taste, and obviously you started out on a very, very good note at 10 years old, um, what would you say is one of the most memorable wines you've drunk, and what was that occasion? This was in, this was actually in 1987, 1987, and this was on a farm, Baiten Verwachten. And uh, the winemaker there, a guy called Jean de Niel, had made um, a Noble Eight Harvest from Rhine Riesling. Ryan Riesling, and it was, he had a tank of this, uh, one and a half thousand litre tank, stainless steel tank. And um, I mean, I just knew my way into the winery and I used to go and taste this tank every day after school. It was amazing. It was like nectar for me. <laughs> 1987, Baiten Verwachting Noblesse. I've still got a few bottles of that. And how no, does it taste stuff. today? No, I haven't tasted it for a long time. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just keeping the rest for the rest for my children. Oh. No, so yeah, no, I've, I've been exposed to that kind of thing, obviously, but I mean, um, you know, wine is such an emotive thing. Um, you know, when I so when I think about uh, the noblesse, I go back to those days in that farm. It's an amazing thing what wine can do. It can take you away, just the smells and the sights, and the, such Absolutely. a visual, visceral kind of thing, you know. Absolutely. Um, you've had the opportunity to travel around the world and taste different wines. Would you say that there's one culture that drinks the best in terms of quality? Yeah, it's a difficult, yeah, it's a difficult, um, not a difficult question, uh, difficult for me to answer. I think, you know, I've obviously traveled in France, Italy, Australia, South Africa. I don't know, it's, it's a very really difficult thing. I, I think drinking great wines is not often, uh, we've got this romantic idea that you go to a village in Italy and you sit there at the corner cafe <laughs> and by Roberto and he serves this amazing Abruzzo or Chianti or whatever. It's not necessarily <laughs> the great wines. It's like the combination of the place and, and the food that makes it so amazing. But I think if, you, if you're talking 
like quality wines and diversity like diverse you, you've got to go to a place like london america quebec norway you've got to go to the the centers of the world where these wines are being imported and the, and the sommeliers are excited about the wines and where there's a fantastic cuisine developing i love the food and wine combinations in norway i think they're drinking amazing wines um, and the wines are available throughout i'm um, in quite a quite a diverse range of wines obviously i don't know new york that well london we know it's a fantastic uh, wine culture and the food is of course catching up in mm-hmm. leaps and bounds i mean there's an amazing uh, food and eating culture in london these days i mean it's impossible to go there and spend a week and you you just have a little taste of what what's going on there mm-hmm. um and you know south africa's catching up as well now you know we've always been proudly south african um and in south africa our cuisine is like far ahead of what the people are drinking in those restaurants the lists are quite strong um quite limited but the food in the top restaurants is next level really world class <laughs> so wine follows yeah it does it does yeah. and with the quality of wines that are coming out of south africa it's only natural that that will show yeah. up on the wine list. no of course because there's uh, i mean there's tremendous excitement at the moment in south africa so if we were to go into your cellar aside from some of the sweet wines that you're holding on for your kids what else might we find in there um i don't know you'll find a When you walk into my winery on your left underneath the staircase um there's Miss June 1972 below Miss June 1972 <laughs> centerfold there'll be a really decent turntable that'll be playing some dodgy rock from the 70s uh we like to listen to Audience House on the Hill probably the greatest rock album ever released underneath the turntable there's a very good coffee machine and that's our most expensive winery equipment is our coffee machine <laughs> Um and then the rest of the winery is just filled with with wooden vats and concrete tanks. What um, about in your home in your cellar, refrigerator, under the bed? I don't know. Oh, no, you... I've, I've I've got a I've got a, like a nice wine collection, but I but I keep it like completely off off the farm because otherwise I'll drink it all. Well, what would we find in there and is there anything you're <laughs> drinking currently from there or it's locked up and being kept? No, 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 it's all locked up. I mean, <laughs> we, we 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 like to buy a lot of burgundy every year. We mm. bought some serious ports. I love obviously German Riesling but you know the wines we buy now are a little bit too young but at the moment if I had opened my fridge now you'd probably find some half decent sherry in the fridge uh, you'll find one of our wines as well a Secateur's red blend Sinsa based um drink a lot of that in the pantry in that fridge <laughs> there's a oh there's a wide range of wines anything from from Musa to my neighbor's wine I drink a lot of Sebastian's wine Sebastian Beaumont fantastic wines out of Botrova obviously Eben Sardi you know we we quite spoiled booze up but neighbors and friends that make great wines and we do a lot of wine swaps um you'll find that you'll find some old bordeaux as well I think people like to knock bordeaux but I fucking love <laughs> old bordeaux um the wines that are made long before the fortune and the fame Um obviously uh stuff from the Rhone in particular Grio and Ganon uh, my favorite producers there shit what else so we drink quite a bit of australian stuff from south australia you have a very from, diverse from, cellar from, from adelaide hills there's a there's a guy there called uh, Terrace Coty who makes amazing wines so I drink a lot of uh, Terrace stuff yeah i don't know just like a various stuff you know yeah. do you think there's a such thing as a perfect variety No. No, that's why we blend the stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um obviously, I mean, I I just love 
probably unequivocally the greatest grape would be like Chardonnay. It's just fucking amazing where it's grown in Burgundy. It's, it, that is the perfect grape for me there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we like to blend stuff. Yeah. But Chardonnay would probably be unequivocally the world's greatest grape. <laughs> Sorry, my voice is really, my voice is finished. <laughs> it's okay. We'll keep going. Um, what do you think about wine critics and scores? I don't know. I mean, I, I like wine critics. I find them really interesting and, and nice people. And uh, I think they thought do a good job. Um, wine scores, I don't know. I haven't really, fuck, none of our wines have really scored highly. Oh. So, <laughs> fuck, I don't, so it's not a big, big problem for me. I think my highest score is like 75, you know. I'm still trying to break 80, whatever that means. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't pay much attention to yeah. it. You know, I know a lot of people do and a lot of people, you know, of course it's, you know, if you, Personally, I don't, I don't really mind too much about scores, but I understand that um, if people are selling my wine and they're in a, in a wine shop and they've got a category there like $25 wines of 90 plus points, it's just a, it helps to sell the wines, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but we try not to make our wines too shits. I mean, we try and get them, <laughs> like get some, <laughs> some kind of scores, but it's never a, it's never a thing we discuss or, mm-hmm. or think about ever. Yeah. So you were saying you have a really diverse selection of wines that you drink in at home. But if it yeah. really came down to it, red, white, or rosé? Like where I am at the moment in South Africa. <sighs> Variety or just the color? For drinking no, as for a drink. consumer? No, no, red. Red, okay. Still or sparkling? No, still. Simple. <laughs> Simso. No, I drink Simso or Grenache. <laughs> and how do you approach um, with food and wine pairing? Do you look at yeah, something I particular? You, I knew you were going to ask me that because, you I know. mean, you know, the thing is, I mean, I used to, um, we used to eat out quite a lot in mm-hmm. Cape Town and go to these amazing restaurants and taste these, you know, tasting menus of 20 courses, go to the Fat Duck, go to fucking Melbourne, you know, do that kind of stuff. I can't do it anymore. We, uh, you know, at my house, we eat like really, really simply now. We eat a lot of venison. And Grenache is perfect. A lot of lot of lot of <laughs> venison and vegetables. Venice, there'll be some kind of venison and and green food, like but <laughs> just the vegetables, like the pure, just with a bit of salt and pepper and butter. No, n- nothing else. No, no sauces, no juice, nothing like that. So when people often say this, like so they'll they'll taste our, for example, we make a like a palomino, for example, it's called Salt of the Earth. We only make six hundred and fifty bottles of it. And it's called Salt of the Earth Booze. It has got that saline character. So naturally, that thing, it really goes well with. It's amazing with oysters. It's really incredible with oysters. And our family white blend, a blend of 10, 12 different grapes. Um, it's, it's the most amazing wine with sushi, for example, which I never never knew. You know, I never knew that. I thought, but, but I don't know. So, so I think the, the more complex the wines are and the, the more interesting the food is, there are a lot more meeting points there are between the two um, but we make an amazing breakfast wine so that goes well with a bride sausage barbecued sausage and eggs and it's a, it's a muscat but it's a dry muscat fermented on skins that thing is amazing breakfast wine goes really well with eggs benedict as well and a hollandaise sauce that is the wine I know the best period <laughs> the rest I don't know red well, wine if you're it's starting like, to drink at breakfast like, who yeah, cares yeah. what you're pairing the no, rest of the day <laughs> no 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 we, we, we meet uh, Eben and, Eben Saadi and myself we We've got a standing sort of um, arrangement. So we meet every two weeks at five o'clock in the morning. We light a fire. 
either up at my place in the mountain or at his place, we light a fire, buy some sausage, drink a bottle of wine, normally a burgundy or something from the Jura, some light red wine and uh, some sausage and eggs in the pan, a bit of toast, and that's how we start the day. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's a great way to start. <laughs> and those, I don't know, any wine that you drink at five o'clock in the morning around a fire is fucking amazing. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> you know, doesn't, you know, those are always the best food pairings for me. I mean, we, we drank the other day, yeah, it was, uh, it was a wine from the Jura, from uh, Lucien Aviette. Fantastic. Huh? 2013, I think it was a Cuvée Geologics. I can't remember, but it was just amazing. Mm-hmm. With wow. sausage and egg. <laughs> Best times, man. <laughs> wine Soundtrack International, the voice of wine producers from around the world. So what do you think that a non-drinker, someone who hasn't tasted your wines, is missing out on? What are you trying to say with no, your No, they're not missing out on anything. No? If they haven't tasted more, they're not missing out on anything. <laughs> we just make wine. You know, if you if you taste it. No, they're not missing out on a single thing. Not a single no, thing. not a single thing. No, you know, I mean, I, I'm, you know, the last thing I want to argue with uh, with anybody is, is taste. Mm. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, you have to taste this. This is so amazing. No, you'll, if you're meant to experience the wine at some stage, you will, but uh, you certainly aren't missing out on anything. You're probably actually saving yourself. <laughs> You're probably probably saving yourself from a lot of Let's bod- not entice anyone bod- to try your wine. bodily damage, you know. So stay away from them, you know. So you're really focused on blends and um, working with a, a diverse amount of varieties. How much do you think vintage plays a part? How much variation do you see from year to year? I know South yeah. Africa is a pretty consistent climate. Yeah. relative to other places. Yeah, we've got an amazing ability to, to ripen grapes. Um, you know, um, the big influences on on vintage, and there is vintage variation, is in the last couple of years for us has been the drought. So the water table is really low. Um, wind has got a major influence on, obviously, the crop. That's a, we got a lot of wind in October, November. And that's during flowering and set, so that can determine, you know, how many how, how many grapes are going to, you know, it's going to determine the, the crop for the for the coming season. Um, and if you if you have good flowering, with little wind, you've got you've set quite a nice crop. But obviously, a lot of wind, there's no crop, and it, it affects how 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 the vine grows and how it ripens the the big crop or the small crop. Um, and of course, temperature, temperature is very very important. So we, in the good vintages, in the, in, the, in the Swatland, when we say it's a good vintage, we say it's been sort of quite cool ripening from middle of December till the end of, the middle of February. If it's sort of coolish weather, that's for us is a great indicator because it gives your, the grapes an extra few days of hang time, extra few days if we have a lot of heat and drought early on, you know, that brings on the, causes a lot of stress. You'll have small berries, really tiny berries, but people often think, oh, tight berries, small berries, good flavor. Mm-hmm. But it's the, it's what causes those berries to be so small that, you know, so why the berries underwent tremendous amount of stress, for example. Or, so it's not necessarily a good thing. You didn't get complete flavor development. Mm-hmm. But there are big differences. You know, the, the 18 vintage um, for us was a very, very difficult vintage. Very low yields, very hot, very dry. We made some nice wines. and um, But, you know, as a winemaker, your, your responsibility is just to, to bottle that vintage as honestly as possible and put it into bottle. Mm-hmm. 
you don't preserve that thing and have a look at it in 10 years time so fuck that was 18 or this was 16 or 17 or whatever but there's there's a lot of variation but we don't um you know i see a lot of the french i see they've just had terrible hail now in savoie and um but the french like to moan about weather the whole time as well you know ale this frost this no fuck that kind of thing south africans we don't really moan about, about that kind of stuff. We just need a little bit of water to, you know, if we have a little bit of water, then we're fine. Then the, then the vintages are normally look, look quite nice. Do you have any um, traditions that you do at the beginning of harvest as a winery or as a family, aside from your 5 a.m. every other week no, drinking? We, no, we, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, we, just, we just do a lot of morning brides, you know, we bry a lot in the morning. But that's, you know, the start of harvest is end of January. So you've just come back from holiday, for example. You might have spent a bit of time on the coast. My children are being off to school and it's the start of the new year. So things are quite hectic. And then the, then the harvest is upon us. But we do have a fantastic harvest party at the end of harvest. Uh-huh. 25th of March, around about there. Last week in March, we have a fantastic party. Sort of 150 people, mostly farmers from the area, just to just to celebrate the harvest and give thanks. Because by that time, most of the guys are finished. A way to take a deep breath. Exactly. <laughs> so when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a game ranger. Yeah. I wanted to be a game ranger. I wanted to drive around in the bush, <laughs> like with a rifle on the with a rifle on the on the on the dashboard. So what happened? I ended up. I went. I went to school. And then I wanted to be a teacher, and then uh, and then I wanted to farm, and that's how I ended up. So after after university, after um, school, I went to university and uh, agricultural college, and um, did some winemaking courses and soils. You know that like that like winemaking stuff, and um, yeah. Then I travelled a little bit, and then uh, then I got a job. <laughs> Played wine. And then you got fired and started your own winery. Yeah, I got, I got yeah, that, that, that firing part is quite tough. And uh, yeah, I think we started my own wine with, with my cousin. So ah. my cousin, uh, so I phoned him, I said to him, listen, Hein, uh, so he's a little bit older than me, Hein's probably five or six years older than me, but he's got like a bit of cash and stuff. I had no cash. I had like $400 in my pocket and I was living off my bank loan. It's like when you when you pay back your loan with your loan, then you know you're pretty <laughs> fucked. And um, so I convinced him to 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 buy the farm, uh, and I said I'd go fifty fifty. And he had a look at the farm. And said, "Geez, what are you going to do?" It was a completely dilapidated. Man, the old winery had last been used in the 1930, but still intact. But last, so there's no cooling system, there's no light, no electricity. And so he said, "Geez, what do you?" I said, "No, man, this is this is what we're going to do. We're going to buy together, you and I, fifty fifty. We're going to we're going to we're going to start making wine and selling wine. It's fantastic." He's in. So when he came to sign, I said, by the way, I don't have the other 50%. He says, yeah, I thought so. Um, so he lent me the money. So that, 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 that's how we started our farm. Just, uh, and we bought the farm next door now. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's going nice. It's, it's uh, my, my brother and his wife are working on the farm as well. Obviously, my wife is involved in day-to-day running of the farm. Um, my mother is around there as well. Do you my, ever? My, my brother-in-law as well. Do you ever get free time? And if so, what do you do with it? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, look, free time is, is, yeah, we do probably weekends, but you know, weekends, you're so tired from running around in the week, you know, two kids at school, it's a 25 mile, mile drive to school. They're going to be, there's no, there's no buses or anything. So they're going to be picked up and dropped off in sport and stuff. So, and then sport on Saturdays for the children, rugby and hockey and netball and that kind of stuff. So, 
we've only got Sunday off, <laughs> you know, and then Sunday we just fucking collapse, <laughs> you know, and then, and, then, and then Monday starts again. Um, but if we do take time off, we go to the West Coast. Uh, my, my wife's father's got an amazing house there. We spend time on the West Coast just relaxing, surfing, fishing, just chilling down at the beach, drinking really nice wines. Um, that, you know, that's what we like to do. And when I'm going back to South Africa in two weeks' time, now we're going to the uh, Kruger National Park to see some drive around the park, trying not to be eaten, or tramp, eaten by lions or trampled by <laughs> elephant. That's the name of the game there. So we're, yeah, we're going to do that. <laughs> what would you say is the best piece of advice you ever received? The best piece of advice I've ever received? I'm trying to think who it was and what it would have known. The best piece of advice. Yeah, my, just, just from my mother. You always have a sense of humor and be nice. And just not, and be honest, nice and honest and have a sense of humor. There's no, there's been no advice about how to buy this, life is too short, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's just, and, and, and by being that is just to live in the moment. And, and, you know, and, and I've always taken just to live in the moment and appreciate exactly what's happening around you. Mm-hmm. And you see it more and more with your kids, you know. You realize how fucking fallible you are and how quickly time goes. If you could offer some advice to our listeners, what piece of advice would you like to share with them? Like from a viticultural point of sure. view. <laughs> Why not? That's your expertise. Viticulture. <laughs> or a wine drinking or a no, I would, wine I would, life. No, I would say, you know... What, what I do a lot is, is just buy some wine that you can drink with your children or your mother or your father. And if you've got great wine in your cellar, don't wait to drink it until it's too late. Drink good wine, buy the good wine and drink it now with friends. So you were talking about how you started your winery. What would you say in your work is your proudest achievement to date? Is it starting that winery mm. and, and how you built it or is there something else that stands out? No, I don't know. It was just what we had to do. So it's yeah. not a, I don't reflect and feel like smug about it because it's a work in progress, you know, but no, we haven't got any achievements to really. I mean, the, the, the biggest achievement I think is that we employ more people now and we make a difference like that. I mean, I don't really care about the land and stuff, but we, it's obviously it's not, I care about the land. I fucking <laughs> love, and I love to farm and yeah. we, we love to plant grapes and make wine, et cetera, et cetera. But, but I mean, the bigger thing is that we, we employ more people now. Yeah, so we employ 24 people. And, um, you know, on average, each of the guys that works for me has got six dependents. You know, so there's a, it's like a huge pyramid of responsibility. And, that, and that's nice. That is beautiful. That, 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 that's a nice thing. I'm not proud of fucking, like, buildings or <laughs> wines that we've made or that kind of stuff. Just, just the fact that we employ a lot of people. And uh, in a country like South Africa, we've got an unemployment rate of 26% which is crazy. So yeah, that's what we want. We want to just be productive. My uncle always said to me, listen, we've got land, just be productive. Complete the sentence for me. (laughs) (laughs) A table without wine is like? Oh, oh, I don't know. Like a fly without a fish on it. (laughs) (laughs) A fishing term, of course. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a fishing term, of course. It's an original one. Okay. <laughs> so if there was one person in this world, living or deceased, who you would want to be, to share a bottle of your wine with, who might that be? Um, St. Paula. St. Paul, I think. 
Okay. San Paulo Jan Smuts. Now he was pretty hardcore. Um, probably quite scary having wine with him and sharing a <laughs> bottle with him. So he'd tell you a story. Um, but the other guy is Jan Smuts, probably one of the greatest South Africans ever produced. Um, amazing brain. Um, so Jan Smuts used to be the former uh, statesman from South Africa. And um, Albert Einstein said of Jan Smuts, he's the only human being alive that really understands what I'm talking about. <laughs> so he's an amazing man. Um, so yeah, Jan Smuts and, and, and St. Paul. I think the two of, well, the three of us around here would be quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> if you, um, what's, where do you sort of think that we're going in terms of wine production? Do you think that we'll be drinking wine in 300 years, 500 years? Um, and what we'll be drinking? Do you have an idea looking at yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't... Do you think we'll still be drinking wine? Yeah, man has always been drinking wine. I've been drinking wine for thousands of years. There's no way we're going to stop drinking wine. Um, yeah, what the wine will look like in, in 300 years, uh, I don't think it'll be much different. I think we'll, we'll just need to change the way we farm, we produce grapes, you know, things that have become scarce. Um, yeah, and wine might become, I don't know, it might become a... It's a luxury thing, like it is becoming in a way, oh, that it's such a shit out of me, you know, it's mm -hmm. driven by ego and money. And if you look at Napa and the prices of land, there's no, you can't buy a piece of land and farm it and be profitable. It's just about ego and return on ego, which is, which is so funny. It's the dichotomy of, 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 of the whole essence of wine. Wine is, a, is something from the, from the earth. I mean, I'm always like amazed that people taste my wines here and say, oh, the wine's amazing. But I'm saying, listen, man, it's just grapes. <laughs> just simple things, grapes, perfect grapes that in a bottle and, and it's wine. And people, we are our own worst enemy with that kind of thing, driving prices and scarcity. And we're going to have to relook very carefully. And I think this generation now, um, we're going to have to make some serious calls in, in terms of how we drink, how we eat and how we live. And I, I, I don't know, I don't see it changing. Mm -hmm. But I think the wines we're going to drink in 100 years' time, 50 years' time, 200 years' time are going to be very beautiful wines. And they're going to be, you know, what, what we're trying to do is just express a place and some visceral uh, quality that, that is beyond the, the commercial range of wines. I think that's a beautiful sediment. But before we end, yeah. we're just going to have a little more fun. Just to end on a happy note. Yes. So... <laughs> What three wines would you take to you, with you to oh. a deserted island? Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, these questions. Um, fuck's sakes. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's not going to be anything like bubbles or pet nut. That's okay. It's not going it's, to... It's your, it's your deserted island. It's not going to be that. What I'm going to drink every single day. Your, it's such an impossible question. Because the vast world of wine out there. Yeah. So it's an impossible question for me. <laughs> I can think of 50 wines that I'll take. <laughs> like this guy's wines, for example. Pierre Moray. This stuff is amazing. Just as Bourgogne Blanc. This stuff is stunning. That I can drink bucket loads of. <laughs> I won't put the pressure on you. I'll put another piece of pressure yes. on you. <laughs> you told me that you have a turntable under your stairs. Yes. And different music that you listen to. 
You spoke about an album, and music obviously plays a role. There's some correlation between wine to some degree. I don't know. That's what they say. That's what they say. So if you were <laughs> drinking this um, white burgundy that we're staring at a bottle of yeah. as we speak, what would you want to be listening to, or what does it make you think of? Oh, uh, this this is a Sunday just before lunch wine. We'll play um, for this. We'll drink. Um, we'll drink that, and we'll play. Uh, play a bit of jazz, a bit of South African jazz um, by Basil Mannenberg. Could see a Mannenberg. That's what we'll listen to. Okay, and it's 22 minutes long is fantastic. <laughs> it's just enough time to drink the whole bottle. <laughs> 22 minutes. <laughs> 22 minutes enough to drink the whole bottle. <laughs> and what about? Um, well, you said you drink Grenache every day. What about a nice bottle of Grenache? Yeah, I, I love Grenache. I love Grenache because it's. Uh, because of its clarity and its uh, and its honestness, it's very it's an honest thing. Huh? It's, it's well made. It's a good translation of where it is. It ages beautifully. Yeah, I could drink Grenache as well. And what would you be listening to? Oh, with with Grenache. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Jeez, it depends what time of the day. <laughs> no, look the the only album. Oh no, there's there's so much music as well that we listen to, but like. There are a few, they're like a few great albums. The one is by a guy called Rodriguez, called Cold Fact. The other album is Audience, House on the Hill, greatest rock album rock ever. Rock album. I listened. Yeah, greatest <laughs> rock album ever. Oh, fuck, I love a bit of Jimmy Cliff. Love Jimmy Cliff. The harder they come, I love that. Put a bit of reggae in there. There's a band called The Congos, Heart of the Congo. That's an amazing album, really roots kind of reggae. Yeah, and then anything from anything from Led Zeppelin, but just like one song, Cashmere, is probably the greatest song ever written by any human being. It's like making wine. I mean, you know, you try and you try and make something that's representative of the terroir, but we just like any band these days, they all just take bites out of the corpse of Led Zeppelin. They'll never be that good. <laughs> but um, but the same same with winemaking, if we get that kind of right, get those flashes of, of brilliance in the wine, that, that that's a nice thing. That's wonderful. And I want to thank you for joining us today. And before we go, can you just let people know, can they visit you? Where can they taste your wines? And Yeah, um, so they website? can, obviously, uh, in, in South Africa, they can visit me in South Africa. Um, on the website, I think it's uh, aabardenhorst.com. So it's A-A-B-A-D-E-N-H-O-R-S-T.com. It's a German descent name. But I've got rid of those German habits through 17 generations of inbreeding. Um, I've got rid of those <laughs> corrupting German dogmas of precision, neatness, <laughs> that kind of thing. So they can they can check that website out. Um, uh, the farm is open. We're normally on the farm from Monday to Friday. Um, weekends, we're normally not on the farm. Well, we are on the farm, but fuck, we don't like to see people on weekends. Um, so anybody can just send me an email as well at uh, adi at iafrica.com. ADI at iAfrica.com. Very simple. And I'll normally get back to you. <laughs> no, like you like an email or something. Well, Adi, thank you so much for joining said, us thank today. Thank you very much for having me. It's and been it's been great. It's and been I just great. hope the listeners are still awake. <laughs> hey, wake up. <laughs> Thanks for listening to a new episode of Wine Soundtrack South Africa. For details and updates, visit our website, winesoundtrack.com.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.